We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. Did you know that with the win over the Houston Texans on Sunday, the Chiefs would clinch their seventh consecutive AFC West title? It would move Kansas City into a tie with the LA Rams between 1973 and 1979 for the second longest streak of consecutive division titles in NFL history dating back to 1970. The New England Patriots hold the current record with 11 AFC East titles in a row from 2009 to 2019. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It's Friday, and this is KCS and Update, our daily Chief show and podcast pre- presented by our friends at DraftKings. Thanks for hanging out today. I'm BJ Kissel, former Chiefs reporter. Now I'm working with a bunch of other good people trying to build a new outlet for Kansas City sports fans here at KC Sports Network, covering all our local teams with some fantastic content. Please hit that like and subscribe button if you're on YouTube or follow us on your favorite podcast platform by simply searching. KCSN, you can find all of our channels that way. That way, since it's Wednesday, soon we'll be joined by YouTube legend and co-host of Bootleg Football, Brett Coleman. But first, a word from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to in betting on the NFL this holiday season. They have the best app that's easy to navigate, and I love all the different plays that they offer. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. My personal favorites are the anytime scores. You don't have to be a betting expert, and it doesn't matter what the score is of the game. You always have a shot to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, Chiefs fans, you know what time it is. Let's bring on Brett and talk a little Chiefs Broncos and preview a little Chiefs Texans on Sunday. Before we get into this, Brett, how's the last week been? How are things going? Uh, things are things are going well, surviving the season, barely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of grinding my way through it. Um, I'm, I'm getting ready for Shrine Bowl in a month-ish mm. or so, which I think you're also going to be out there. And then I'm we'll see you there. Trying to trying to, I don't know if you guys are just going straight to Super Bowl after that because it's also in the desert. If the Chiefs are going, you know, maybe you book some last minute hotels. We'll see, but that's my we'll decision. Check the, right old, now. the old KCSN budget and see where we're at <laughs> at that point. But uh, yeah, looking forward to the Shrine Bowl. Always a good time. Hopefully, a better time than we had there last year. Not that there was anything wrong with the the Shrine Bowl and all of that, but it was sandwiched right in the middle of the Chiefs' loss to the Bengals in the AFC title game. So we'll be out there for the AFC title game again this year. So hopefully, we're all celebrating a little bit more and we don't walk around practices with everybody just saying sorry to us the whole time, which wasn't exactly fun either. Yeah, that sounds safe. A bunch of Chiefs fans in Vegas the day they go to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Yeah, good idea. Go wrong. Idea. It's just a bunch of. Yeah, you say that. It's just a bunch of football nerds. You know these guys. Like, <laughs> they're watching practice film and uh, getting ready for the draft uh, the day after the you know they win the AFC title. They'll still be focusing on the draft. It's a great event. Eric Alco does a fantastic job out there. Really looking forward to going back again this year and get some great content. Last year it was the Isaiah Pacheco interview. Like that was just, it was cool. And they drafted him because we had to sit down with him when we were out there and had that content, some really good stuff from him. But um, let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs win over the Broncos. Let's pivot a little bit here. A lot of takes from Chiefs Kingdom that we've been getting on KCS an update from all our different guests from Matt Miller and, and uh, Nate Taylor yesterday. Curious to have your, to get your thoughts um, as somebody that uh, isn't necessarily living in Chiefs Kingdom and isn't a Chiefs fan per se. So besides being a fan of what they do out on the field, but uh, curious your takeaways uh, from that Chiefs win over the Broncos and uh, what underlying things moving forward we might be able to take away from that game as the Chiefs finish out the, the regular season. Uh, mostly, mostly is doing a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> there. Uh, uncharacteristic mistakes. There was one wow. turnover that was like classic Chiefs where Andrew Wiley got absolutely bulldozed by Jonathan Cooper and then Pat kind of like on one leg while Wiley was crashing into him, uh, tried to make a throw that he just shouldn't have and it got picked off at the end of the second half. Uh, Wiley, going to be a problem, by the way. That's like my one main like, uh, that's 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 going to be an issue in January take. Uh, the other two turnovers, the first one and the second one, I think Josie Jewell got both of them. Um, not very characteristic, you know, reading yeah. out one rat where Travis Kelsey kind of sits down because uh, the other linebacker went out to the flat and Travis Kelsey kind of sat down in the middle, leveraging himself away from Jewel and Pat just missed, just straight up yeah. missed through it. Right he let him back into it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, and you could see Kelsey was like, oh, didn't expect the ball to go over there. Um, yeah. So that was just a miss from Pat. And then the other one to Jewel, like it's it's cover three. And I don't know if he just didn't see it or, you know, maybe he he thought they were in something that they weren't. And again, threw it right to right to Jewel. He doesn't do that every game. He rarely ever does it ever. Um, so I'm not super worried about like, did the Broncos find some sort of <laughs> schematic key to beating the Chiefs? Like, you know, it's one rat and it's cover three. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It just happens sometimes. You know, and, and yeah, Denver, he, Denver is a stadium that just does that to teams. You know, I don't know why. Yeah. And it's, I'm interested. They haven't recorded yet the show since we've been recording, but I know because I cut the videos for it that 
the breakdown. So Matt Castle, and Matt Hamilton, that first interception that we're talking about is one of the ones that they're going to break down. And you get a really good view of it from the end zone angle of, you know, Pat seem seemingly was moving Jewel with the way that he was looking. He kind of uh, tried to manipulate him to to move out of that spot, and he did. And Josie Jewel was moving away from where Kelsey was coming from, and they made a fantastic play coming back the other way. And if if Pat doesn't lead him towards Jewel, but towards kind of towards the backside defender that was kind of trailing uh, Travis on that play, it wouldn't have been intercepted. So whether it was a misread or he underestimated how quickly Jewel was going to be able to change directions because he did move him with his eyes uh, away from where he wanted to, but then Jewel just made a fantastic play. So I'm um, interested to, to check out their breakdown on that one. But, you know, one of the things that it was kind of been taken from that game here locally in Kansas City that a lot of people, you know, are discussing uh, on like local radio, the local beat writers and uh, bloggers and everything is just, is that game give us any information or any indication that the chiefs will not be able to achieve their ultimate goal of going and winning a super bowl? I know it sounds like a big statement and I don't, <laughs> I don't think it does. If you heard me on the post game show right afterwards, but you know, it's a prevailing thought that some of these issues that the chiefs are having that people didn't think they were going to have coming into this season could ultimately hold them back from your opinion, from all the football that you've watched and you watch all the teams, not just the chiefs. And that was kind of little context. That was kind of my point is every team has issues. There's Mm -hmm. not that team out there. That's just going to come and dominate. Even the bills have issues. The Bengals have issues on their team. Not that the chiefs have figured that out because they haven't beat them. We know that, but it's not so dire that a weak second half against the Broncos team is all of a sudden changing everyone's opinion on what this team could do. So Asking you, do you have any of those reservations about what you thought the Chiefs could do? Maybe not just following this Broncos game, but what you've seen over the last, I guess, since the start of the season. I think the point you made that every team has issues is key because pretty much everybody except Philadelphia has some (laughs) sort of Achilles heel out there. Um, You know, something that that might cause them problems for the Chiefs. It's the tackles like again. Say it every week. Their tackles are still two out of the top three tackles in the NFL in terms of most pressures given up. That interception, the second one that Mahomes threw, was directly because Wiley got run over by Jonathan Cooper. And I think that, you know, if Joey Bosa, let's just say the Chargers make the playoffs, they got about 80% chance, right? Chargers make the playoffs, Joey Bosa's back, and it's third and seven. We need a play because it's the Chargers and they're always going to be dead even with the Chiefs, regardless of what the record is. And Joy Bose is going up against Andrew Wiley one on one. Are you feeling good about that? I'm not. But that being said, the Chargers also have issues. They can't really throw deep. Their offensive coordinator is arguably the least creative in the NFL. Their pass protection's terrible. Their secondary's banged up. Like they got issues too that mm-hmm. I think cancel out what the Chiefs' issues are. The only question is, will that weakness lead to some of the game-changing plays that we saw against Denver, where that game was completely wrapped up, and then all of a sudden it wasn't? Yeah. If that turnover happened against, say, Buffalo, happened against Cincinnati, you know, something with less issues than the Chargers have right now, like, yeah, I, I would be concerned. But there's no flawless team out there. The Chiefs just have to hope that their main flaw, which is their tackle play, doesn't uh, doesn't ruin everything else that they do really well. Yeah. 
Is there anything before we move on to the Texans and previewing that matchup on both sides of the ball? Is there anything schematically in that game between the Chiefs and Broncos that stood out to you by either team uh, as far as how they went in and approached it or ways they attacked, ways they had success or didn't have success? Anything in general from watching that game that kind of made you raise your eyebrows and you were a little surprised about? Not necessarily surprised. Um, I really liked how they used McKinnon. Um, hmm. And I, I, it's, you know, especially in the screen game, um, you don't often see like screens in the red zone work that well. But mm-hmm. I guess when you have Trey Smith going out there and <laughs> almost getting charged with capital murder on Justin Simmons, like, yeah, it, it'll work. But I, I really love that call. I think they, um, in terms of how they were studying red zone coverage tendencies, I think they realized like, hey, we might be able to get numbers out here because they tend to like plant guys on the goal line and, and leave them out there on their own. Yeah. Uh, so that was a great call. Um, you know, I, I I would say that other than the interceptions, like schematic, like the, the play calls they had on during the interceptions were actually pretty good. <laughs> they just they just happened to pick it off. Schematically, I, I don't think they really did much different than they normally do. But I, I did like a lot of the stuff they did in the red zone because the Broncos are a very good red zone offense. And the Chiefs, yeah. we said it last show just had to find a way to get points down there. Um, and they did. Yeah. One of the things I talked about during the week and people listening, if they've listened to the other shows that I'm curious and I'm interested to get, or hopefully they'll get McCole Hardman uh, and or Kadarius Tony back and insert some more of those jet sweep, the ghost action stuff that has been such a big part of Andy Reid's playbook that they really haven't had for the last few weeks with Tony being out and they're seemingly going pretty slow with him with the hamstring, with the soft tissue injury uh, or issue that, you know, has kind of plagued him throughout his career. uh, Some of those soft tissue things. And then McCole Hardman, this would be the first week that he'd be able to come back off IR with his injury. So uh, I think that's a big part of Andy Reid's playbook and hopefully they have him back for the game against the Texans. So let's start with the Texans and let's start on the defensive side. So we're talking about the chiefs offense. What uh, should chiefs fans know? Uh, about the Texans defense, what stands out to you? What are they good at? What are they bad at? Uh, where could the Chiefs attack? Loaded question. There you go. Just <laughs> yeah. tell us, Brett, what's going to happen. Uh, shocker. They play a lot of cover too. I know uh, Chiefs fans might be surprised by that, but they are literally the highest percentage team in cover two on third down in the entire league. They run it 33% of the time, which I know it doesn't <laughs> sound like a lot, but when you factor in like that includes third and shorts, that includes third and mediums, third and long, every situation. Yeah. They play cover, too, if they can. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they do have some young DBs that uh, have really come into their own. Jalen Petrie last week had a whale of a game um, at safety. He's really, really explosive, hard hitter. Um, he's he's actually somebody who I, I compared to, to Tyron Matthew coming out, mm-hmm. and I think eventually he will be that type of guy for them. Had yeah. some tackling issues early on in the year, but especially last game, seem to have resolved them and you know they were hanging tough with dallas for a reason like that defense is feisty the dbs are they just play angry they got a whole bunch of little isaiah pachecos out there in the secondary that just hate the very concept of offense um defensive line and pass rush is not good so if there was ever a time to run the ball a lot it's probably today um and in in terms of getting big plays Cover two is not unbeatable deep. You just have to do it the right way. So if we can get Mm -hmm. like a seam route off switch releases or, um, you know, that kind of backside middle read route with uh, is that MBS is is playing, right? He's fine. Um, You know, that backside um, 
middle read route to MBS, like what we saw in the Tampa game, that yeah. would hit big because again, they don't have any, uh, they don't have anybody that can run with him down that middle seam. So they're going to get a couple big plays here against cover two. Uh, and they have a whole bunch of different concepts they can use to get it. But yeah. mainly I would like them to just run, 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 because pretty much the only time they load the box pre-snap is on first down when they're predominantly in cover three. It's not impossible to run the ball against, you know, how you fit the run from cover three. There's a whole bunch of different ways the Chiefs can still do it. So I would like to see them just run and run and run and run and run and get out of there with a win. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. If it's not Jalen Petrie, is there anybody else in that defense that if the Chiefs do struggle for any reason against a team that they should not struggle against, uh, besides self-inflicted issues, is there anybody on that side of the ball that stood out to you at any point that could step up and make plays and make things difficult for the Chiefs offense? Ooh, you know, I'm trying to think here. It's not a great side, <laughs> or depending upon how you're looking at it. Well, uh, I'm trying fans. to because they they have so many new names. And keep in mind, it's coming from a Texans fan. Like this is this is the yeah. best draft, in my opinion, that they've had in a long time. So like Christian Harris, <laughs> which I I know Chiefs fans were looking at him in the draft because they're like, oh, we probably could use another linebacker. Yeah. Super fast, extremely rangy. He used to play DB in high school. Um, I think you know, they drafted him partially because they wanted to play a lot more cover too, because he's fast enough to kind of be that hole dropper, not necessarily against MBS because who <laughs> is, but um, he's somebody who I think Pat should be weary of when he's back there because he's a lot rangier than Josie Jewell and he can make a lot of the plays <laughs> Josie was doing. Um, you know, Malik Collins has been a solid player for a really long time. <laughs> Jerry Hughes still doing it at his age. Um, if there was somebody who I would be worried about, you know, against Wiley, I'd say it's Jerry Hughes. And then, um, you know, Jonathan Owens, he's a huge hitter. 
huge, huge hitter. He broke up one against uh, Michael Gallup last week, that touchdown. Um, not necessarily the best in coverage, but if you're within a five-yard box of him with the ball, <laughs> he's going to put you on the ground. So, again, they, they got some dudes on defense. They're a feisty defense. Are they a great defense? No, because they're not fully stacked up front, but um, they're fast, they're rangy, and they they still play hard despite being the worst record in the league. All right, let's switch to the other side of the football and uh, the two quarterback Houston Texans system uh, they got going on that maybe without Damian Pierce, I think I saw uh, as well. So what stands out to you about the Texans offense and uh, what your Chiefs fans know going into this matchup on Sunday? Uh, not having Damian Pierce, uh, if he doesn't play, is a problem because this team runs inside zone, inside zone, power, and then more inside zone. Like They <laughs> don't really stretch the edges at all because they don't have a whole lot of of like long speed and burst at the running back position. It's like Damian Pierce is the burstiest guy. And I'd say Pierce short area quickness better than long speed. So they don't really run a whole lot of outside zone because if you're going to do that, you want a guy with a little bit better long speed. They can threaten the front side and force uh, force everybody to overcommit. So they run more inside zone and power with him that kind of makes use of what his skill set is. But Rex Burkhead, like, He's not fast enough to really run outside zone. Um, Dari uh, Ogumwale, not fast enough to run outside zone. Like They are a run-between-the-tackles team consistently over and over and over again. Um, they, they've kind of made this weird two-quarterback system work. Uh, over the, Well, haven't made it work. Tried to make it work over the last couple of games where it's like Kyle Allen's the starter. Now Davis Mills is the starter. Now they're both getting equal reps in practice, and we don't know which one's going to be the starter. <laughs> so I would assume Davis Mills is going to be out there, but I don't know at this point. Like, they're losing with both of them either way. So I, I, I wish that I could give you a scattering report on the quarterback. I just don't know which one's going to be out there. Um, and then they've been also pretty banged up at receiver as well. So, like, they really do rely on – Hey, Damien, here's the ball. Go do something like that has been their <laughs> offense at times this year. And if he's yeah. not playing, that's a it, it could be pretty ugly. Not going to lie. It'd be really good news for a Chiefs defense that has really struggled tackling over the last few weeks. Because if you watch Damien Pierce run, it's similar to Chiefs fans. I haven't watched him like Isaiah Pacheco, but like he runs through more tackles than that. He runs mm-hmm. very, very angry and is a very difficult person uh, to bring down. So if he doesn't play, I think that's a welcome sight for a Chiefs defense. At least last few weeks has really struggled tackling. Um, one of the players I want to ask you specifically about, not just be- because of this matchup, but because of some of the narratives uh, surrounding the Chiefs tackle situation and that a trade target that Chiefs fans have been talking about for the future being Laramie Tunsil, uh, the Texans left tackle, who you know most fans are aware of. His name has been thrown out in years past as far as possibly being a trade target if the Chiefs don't bring back Orlando Brown Jr. or don't franchise tag him and do look elsewhere uh, for a veteran proven player. What are your thoughts on Laramie Tunsil or where he's at in this career and compare him as a player, as somebody who's watched him uh, being a Texans fan, to what the Chiefs have in Orlando Brown Jr. right now? So Orlando Brown has asked for Laramie Tunsil money. The difference is Laramie Tunsil is actually worth Laramie Tunsil money. <laughs> like Especially in the first half of the year, he was playing like arguably the best left tackle in football. Um, extraordinarily gifted as a pass protector, you know, the, the term dancing bear, I think, absolutely applies to him. Really explosive, technically refined. Like, he is he is everything you could want in a left tackle. And even though, like, 
when he first got his deal from Houston because he bent them over a barrel because they traded all these assets for him and then didn't immediately pay him. So he's like, okay, I'm going to make it hurt on the back end. And then he got a gazillion dollars. But like he's been one of the only players that's been worth the money. So, and keep in mind, he's only 28. Yeah. Like left tackle's still got another six, seven, eight years to go on top of being 28. Like, especially like really, really good ones tend to play a long time. So, you know, if the Chiefs are giving up assets and money and everything to to go secure him for a long term, like, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely worth it because you have a half billion dollar asset in Patrick Mahomes that's getting absolutely creamed out there on every third and long. So why wouldn't you invest whatever you could to make sure that that investment doesn't get hurt? I think it's yeah. worth it for the Chiefs as a franchise, especially looking at the tackle play that we've seen recently. It's just been straight up horrible. Yeah, he's got one year. Just looking at his contract, he's got one year left on his deal. Uh, the base salary of eighteen and a half million dollars. So it is within the the framework of when he could be traded uh, going into this offseason. And so obviously there'd be some sort of an extent. You would expect there to be some sort of an extension offered uh, with any kind of trade like that. And anytime you're giving up valuable trade or valuable draft picks plus money uh, for a player that's kind of double dipping. Uh, you've got to be right on it. The chiefs kind of surprisingly. And then when it happened, I was surprised that they, they made the trade and they gave up high assets for Orlando Brown jr. And then didn't give him the, the long-term contract. And then we know what happened last year uh, with the chiefs reportedly offering him a deal. They thought was fair. He bet on himself. Didn't take that. Wanted to take more. And you made the point, uh, I believe last week saying it may have been one of the best things that ever happened to the chiefs that Orlando Brown jr. Didn't accept that big deal. So if you could take that money that you had offered Orlando Brown jr. Even a little bit more for a player who's, who's proven to be better uh, throughout his career and give that to, um, to Laramie Tunsil next year after giving up some draft picks, I don't think Chiefs fans would be entirely against that right now. Is there anything else, uh, anybody else on the offensive side of the ball? And he said their wide receivers are banged up. See Brandon Cooks, obviously another trade target. His name was thrown out there. A uh, guy that's performed well throughout his career. Nico Collins, uh, at least from a fantasy football perspective, was a hot name coming into the season on how he would do. Uh, is there anybody that Chiefs fans should be worried about? Uh, if Damian Pierce doesn't play in this game, who could hurt you uh, on the Texans offense? I really do love Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks um, as a receiving duo. Mm. Uh, and like Nico Collins, I think, is a really exciting young player that if the offensive structure around him was better, I'm talking, you know, better quarterback, um, you know, uh, re- truly just better quarterback. <laughs> like, I think that that we would see him do a lot of damage because he's he's one of those guys where even when he's covered, he's not covered. Um, and that's going back to, you know, when we saw him at the senior bowl, um, where he just showed up and he lost like, I think 15 or 20 pounds, something like that in the year that he took off. Cause he took off a COVID year. Right. And so he lost like 15 to 20 pounds and then showed up at the senior bowl and was way faster, way more explosive than we had ever seen from him. Still had that 40 inch vert and the catch radius and everything like that. But when he remade his body going into the NFL, we're like, Oh, that's, different that's why he went in the third round you know um and i think that if he was in a more well-balanced well-run offense with a better trigger man i truly think that we could we could see him be like a thousand yard receiver he just happens to not be in that type of structure right now so 
if we're talking about Chiefs trade targets, I don't think Houston's given him up. I think they're more likely to give up Brandon Cooks than they are to give up Nico Collins because he's a young, exciting asset. Um, and and he is one that I think the entire NFL should watch because I think that he's a, he's really underrated. While you were talking about that, I was double checking and looking up the stats on Pro Football Focus for Laramie Tunsil, who is the number one graded tackle in football this mm-hmm. year. He's allowed 10 pressures this season. Yeah, it's like two uh, games for Wiley. <laughs> Andrew Wiley has given up 39 pressures, and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. has given up 40 pressures. <sighs> so not, not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, all right, let's get into a little prediction time. What do you expect to happen? What is your prediction for the game on Sunday between the Chiefs and Texans? Again, talking with Brett Coleman from Bootleg Football and the YouTube legend, the lore, Brett Coleman. Um, I, w- I would say the Chiefs jump out to an early lead similar to what happened against Denver, but I don't think they make the same mistakes they made against Denver because not, not to call the interceptions fluky, but – We've seen this for six years now. They don't, Patrick doesn't make mistakes like that that often, especially back to back within like 90 seconds of each other and then game on the line, fourth quarter. He he doesn't, he doesn't do that. So I would expect a similar kind of jump out to an early lead, shock and awe, because this defense is rather predictable when it comes to the types of coverages they play. So I think they're going to have a great plan against it. Again, I say this as a Texans fan, I don't enjoy predicting them getting blown out. Um, but they're probably going to get blown out early. And then at that point, Pacheco time, not going to mess around, run, 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 get out of there with a win. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, the the line right now, the Chiefs are favored by 14 points in this game, which is I don't lot. know if I would take the over on that, not because I don't think they're going to win. I just think like, okay, maybe they go up like, 20 to or 21 to three early right and yeah. which yeah that would be covering but then i think they they take their foot off the gas and just eat clock and eat clock and eat clock and you know houston gets within two touchdowns by the end yeah. of it you know so i wouldn't take them to cover definitely take them to control the game and win which i would say a lot of chiefs fans are are more interested in yeah taking their foot off the gas is something that uh they always Andy Reid has been criticized. <laughs> Andy Reid has been criticized for. I uh, hear locally quite a bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you on the Patrick Mahomes interceptions. I think the, a couple of those were just fantastic plays, um, but not something you'd necessarily expect uh, Mahomes to do consistently uh, throughout. And before we let you go, and get your thoughts on a couple of other things, uh, first, your thoughts on Jalen Hurts uh, now being the odds-on favorite to win the MVP after Patrick Mahomes. Seemingly, it's because of the three interceptions he had against the Broncos. They kind of flipped. Uh, now Jalen Hurts being the MVP. How do you see that playing out as we sit here going into week 15? It's a fascinating discussion because everybody everybody has a different opinion of what MVP is. Yeah. You know, some people take a lot of stock in the, the most valuable player part, like the V in MVP, which I would say is Patrick Mahomes because, again, he's – creating arguably the most productive chiefs offense ever with a not great tackle situation and a receiving core that doesn't have Tyreek Hill in it. You know, Mm. I would say that he is the most valuable player in the NFL. Some people see it as who's the best player on the best team. That's Jalen hurts. Philly's arguably the best team. Wouldn't be surprised if Philly and KC meet in the Super Bowl and the Andy Reid bowl. 
I, I could see the argument there. Some people, quite frankly, are tired of the Chiefs nationally. Yeah. Like there are yeah. voters out there that are tired of the Chiefs. They want new blood, and Jalen Hurts qualifies as new blood. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm tired of the Chiefs, but I, I do see a lot of national media that that really uh, I'm trying to say this delicately. Don't say it delicately because I'm about to say something that I don't think I, is my conspiracy. I'll, I'll give you this beforehand. Um, Chiefs fans give you engagement when you yes, say anything do. critical of their team. <laughs> and yes, all it does do. is incentivize national media to doubt and say things negatively about the team. It's happened for years. It happens anytime you call Josh Allen the best quarterback in the NFL. Happens anytime you say the Bengals are the Chiefs can't beat the Bengals. All of these kinds of statements, Chiefs fans will give you all of that engagement. And I think that's led to a lot of the things that we see on a national media level. You and I both know a lot about how this business works on the, the financial side. You need engagement, you need impressions, you need downloads and views and all of those things. And Chiefs fans will give you those things in spades a lot more if you say negative things about their team than if you say positive things about their team. And it's just the way the business works. And it's just created a cycle in which it's never ending. So not to say that they don't actually not like the Chiefs or that they are tired of them, but I think a lot of it also has to do with uh, they're incentivized to create engagement. And Chiefs fans will give it to you if you don't say or if you say negative things about their team. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. It's not even that. Uh, I just, like, that is part of it. But I think there are some national media that resent um, some things about Chiefs Kingdom in the sense of how passionate they are, and they mm. get kind of butthurt about it. And I truly think mm. there are people out there that would say vote for Joe Burrow as MVP just to spite Chiefs Kingdom. Like, just to, like... Joe Burrow having a phenomenal season is his name in the hat. Absolutely. I would vote for, for, for Mahomes yeah. over. But I know there's plenty of national media that's like, you know what? You know what? Chief, Chief Kingdom gotten real loud over the last three years. I'm kind of annoyed with Nick Wright being on my television celebrating every <laughs> Monday morning. I'm going to cast my vote for somebody. Like, that's just how the human psyche works. Some yeah. people don't even dislike the Chiefs. They just dislike how often they have to talk about them. And so they will do whatever they can 
to not talk about them, including handing MVP to somebody else. Fair enough. And I think the MVP race, sadly, if it does, if it is ultimately between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes as we go down the stretch, uh, Patrick Mahomes needed to put up some big numbers and some big games against some bad teams. And I think a lot of it on Jalen Hurts, I don't know if no matter what Mahomes does down the stretch, because they don't play any good teams. If Jalen Hurts on Christmas Eve and that afternoon game against the Cowboys goes out and balls out against the Cowboys in a game that everyone's going to be he'll, watching. He'll have wrapped it up. Yeah. There's not a whole lot we can do. So if he is dominating Micah Parsons, if he's making the defensive player of the year in the NFL uh, miss and do all these things and they go out and win because Jalen Hurts made plays, I don't think there's anything from a narrative standpoint that Patrick Mahomes can do going up against the Broncos again or going up against the Texans this week um, in the Raiders of the last game of the season. I don't think there's going to be enough unless he just – completely goes off so i think a lot of the mvp is going to come down to how good is jalen hurts in that game against the dallas cowboys all right brett before we let you go we appreciate you for stopping by as always before we let you go what are you working on right now uh what can chiefs fans find on uh any of your channels well i feel really bad um that i cursed the shit out of the chiefs <laughs> with my mm -hmm. last video uh completely ruined them for a solid two-week period uh at least offensively yes and so I'm trying fault. to try, trying to weaponize the curse for good, and I'm doing one on on why the Vikings defense is so horrifically historically bad, um, and explaining mm. all of the schematic issues, the personnel issues, everything because you know maybe I can turn them around with this weird voodoo magic that I seem to have. Somebody once called, and I'll say somebody, Pete Prisco, back in 2013, called the Chiefs the worst nine and O team in NFL history, and I. Had brought that's when they faced a bunch of backup quarterbacks. There was mm. a good, there was a sound logic behind uh, his thought process and everything. But I threw out the same idea of are the Vikings or were the Vikings the worst ten and two team in NFL history? Because uh, Justin Jefferson, absolute stud. Dalvin like Dalvin Cook, they've got some guys who can play, but don't know if they were quite on the same level as the Cowboys, the Eagles, some of the other teams in that division. So I'd be interested in watching that video. And I don't think you cursed him any more than I did saying it's time to put Chad Henney in when they got up 27, nothing. And he was immediately like interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown. And be like, well, and then everybody was coming after me uh, for good reason. I, uh, I, I, I turned off, I turned off the game. And then they, the pick started happening like right when I turned off the game and I got a DM from my buddy who's with the team. And he's like, turn it back on, turn it back on. <laughs> I will say, though, big news here. George Karloftis has a sack in three straight games. So if he yeah. can average a sack and a half over the final four, he'll get within striking distance of that Derek Thomas record that I had prognosticated before the season. That kind of looks dumb now. But if he actually what do you so do? speaking of late season narratives, if he goes on a run here and and breaks DT's rookie sack record, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> but but Hutchinson's only got what like six? He's got seven. Seven. They're they're close on pressures. Uh, but yeah, I don't. He could get in between. It. You think they would still? I mean, I have a bet on George Karloftis uh, to win the defensive player or defensive rookie of the year award. I'm just not sure with Sauce Gardner and uh, Woolen and some of these other guys that have made more splash plays, more talked about. Uh, could be different, but yeah, if they end up with the one seed, he's strong down the stretch. Maybe he can flip some voters that want to vote for, you know, a good rookie on a good team. That I, I think really solved an issue. I, I think some sauce and Woolen are going to split 
the DB vote collectively, you know? Okay. Because um, I think a lot of people are going to vote for Sauce and a lot of people are going to vote for Woolen. And then some people are just going to be like, who's the best rookie pass rusher? Because they just don't vote for DBs, right? Um, yeah. It, it, it's going to be a weird pie chart where there's going to be like four guys getting pieces of it. But if the Chiefs have the one seed and and he's, you know, getting sacks and he has the most sacks, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like box score scouts and, and votes for Karloftis and he squeaks one out. Not he's totally got, impossible. He's got three and a half sacks right now and he needs seven over the final four. So we need a big like we need a three sack game. We need a <laughs> we need a three sack game. But in fair, it's not completely out of the question. They're not playing great teams, they're not playing really agile quarterbacks. Um he's just gonna need that two or three sack game and then really get get on a roll here. And then more people will be talking about it, more people will be paying attention. He has that multi-sack game and gets within striking distance going into that final game against the Raiders. Then I, you know what I'm going to be talking about all week going into a game that hopefully <laughs> doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, but as things stand now, it's going to take a couple of losses by the bills for the chiefs to sit people uh, in that January 8th game. Cause even now, even if the bills lose one, you can't lose another game because they have the tiebreaker yeah. on you for home field. So it's looking like the chiefs are going to be playing out through the rest of the regular season. Unless the bills drop, drop a couple of games. Yeah. For the record, by the way, I would vote for sauce. I want to make that clear. I'm just trying to yeah. for Chiefs fans that are listening. I want to mm. put a positive He's, map forward. George Carlos has been solid. I think, you know, not to open up a whole nother discussion, but uh, Craig Stout tweeted out this week that uh, Chiefs currently fourth in the NFL and sacks as a team. I think they have 42 mm-hmm. sacks right now with four regular season games to go. Last year, they had 31 total sex as a team and it was something we talked about all off season and so uh it's not just been one guy obviously chris jones doing very very well i think he's got 11 or 12 sacks right now yeah. um but yeah he's got 11 sacks right now so obviously he's been an absolute beast but there have been a lot of dudes that have stepped up i mean uh carlos dunlap's got four sacks frank clark's got four sacks talking about Loftus having three and a half mike dana has got three sacks there's a lot of guys that are stepping up to help that pass rush that I was going to say he's been good this year outside of the uh, the game against the Bengals in which they couldn't even touch Do- Joe Burrow, which yeah. was the issue in that game, in my opinion. But Jarius need, need to rush more. That's all. <laughs> just send the house more often. Just blitz all the DBs. All right. Brett Coleman, man, we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody for listening and or watching this episode of KCS and Update. Please hit that like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We've got a lot of great content throughout the week. And not that you got to listen to every single show that we've got. Pick out the ones that you like. We put out enough content by design that hopefully you can find the few that, that speak to you, that you enjoy listening to. And we appreciate your support of what we got going on here at KC Sports Network. Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.